Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation Radio Show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM KXNO. And welcome to the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO and the Hawkeye Nation Podcast Network. My name is Andrew Downs, and I am joined as I am each and every Thursday night by my good friend Joe Schmelko. What's up, Joe? Well, I'm out here in Arizona uh, at our place in Surprise, and Lisa and I are having a, a great week. We're going to play a little golf this afternoon. We've uh, got a little pickleball planned, uh, swimming pool, movie stars, you know, the whole bit. Oh, whole yeah, bit. absolutely. Life is, life, is, life is really good, man, really good. But i got to come back to Des Moines on Tuesday. Ooh, and, and you're, you're going to come back to a cold, a cold Des Moines. Yeah, absolutely. We're, <laughs> we're about to get a big shift in the weather. I, my, my son has a soccer game on Sunday, his last one of the year, and it's uh, I think the high is like 35. It's like, oh, come on. What are we, <laughs> what are we doing out here? Uh, but we'll, we'll get to, to more of that stuff a little bit later, and uh, obviously we're going to spend uh, the bulk of tonight talking uh, some about the Minnesota game and, and maybe just kind of an overall look at the season and, and what's ahead as we don't have a specific game to preview as Iowa is idle this week on their bye week, and uh, we'll talk about all of that. We'll get all fired up about the Cooper DeGene punt return call and, and some more of that kind of stuff here as we move through the hour on 106.3 KXNO you know, and the Hawkeye Nation Podcast Network. But uh, before we do any of that, Joe, I, I do want to tease ahead to a, a week from tonight. Next Thursday, uh, our HawkeyeNation.com radio show is going to have a very special guest. Uh, you're going to come in studio with me, and uh, and our guy, comedian Willie Farrell, will join us. He's a big Hawkeye fan. He's a really funny guy. Uh, we know him a little bit, and uh, we're going to have a really, really fun show with Willie Farrell a week from tonight. Yeah, I uh, I argue back and forth with Willie. I don't argue, discuss back and forth with Willie uh, on Facebook, and I finally just said, "No, Willie, you you need uh, about the Brian Ferentz stuff and Kirk and this team." And and I said, "Willie, why don't you come on the radio show and uh, and we can just we can just talk about it and discuss it. It'll be a blast. It'll be a lot of fun. Willie's got an awesome personality and uh, obviously one of the wittiest guys." in the world I think he's just hilarious so we're gonna we're gonna have a great show next week yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun and have a great show what what I've learned with Willie is every discussion kind of becomes an argument he's you know he's from one of those Italian big families that that they just kind of argue everything and so (laughs) so yeah that'll be fun and we'll get a little different perspective uh next week that's a again a week from tonight here on the Hawkeye Nation radio show uh and Joe uh we we have to talk about it man uh Iowa 
dropped a game at home to Minnesota. Floyd of Rosedale is is up, I guess, in bed with P.J. Fleck up in Minneapolis, believe it or not. Uh, they had it at Monday Night Football. Uh, I said, my, my favorite thing I saw from that on Monday Night Football with the Vikings game was, because uh, somebody was like, why are they making such a big deal of this at the Vikings game? And it was, well, because the last time uh, Floyd of Rosedale was in Minnesota, that, that stadium didn't exist yet. Uh, but I was, <laughs> I was eight-game uh, win streak over Minnesota comes to an end in, uh, in just one of the, the most heart wrenching ways possible, one of the most aggravating ways possible. Um, I don't know how we start this conversation, Joe. We, we can talk more about the game and about the offense and, and Deacon Hill and, and everything we saw, but uh, I don't know how you start this conversation with anything but the call, right? The, the, the reversal of the Cooper DeGene punt return, which appeared to give Iowa uh, the win on Saturday night, appeared to be one of the great plays, uh, certainly in, in recent Kinnick Stadium history, maybe ever in Kinnick Stadium history, a, a another legacy-building play for Cooper DeGene, uh, just another kind of find a way to win against all odds, uh, set up the whole world to, to kind of talk about, oh, you know, Iowa only did this, and yet they still found a way to win. Uh, it all felt like it was happening on, on Saturday evening, Joe, and then uh, and then the, the refs came in and, and, uh, and inserted themselves into this game and, and took it away from Iowa. Um, you know, there there are a lot of different aspects I want to touch on this, but just kind of overall, I, I mean, maybe let, let's start with this because I know you were inside Kinnick Stadium. I was back here in Des Moines watching on TV, and even watching on TV, this thing was so incredibly confusing uh, because I've watched I've watched football my entire life, and and I'm I'm as embroiled in this as anybody can be. And they were talking about things I'd never really even heard of, rules I've never really even heard of. Uh, but even even on TV, it was extremely confusing to to try to understand what they were even looking at. And then once they made the call, how that actually came to, to pass, I can't imagine how confusing that was in the stadium when you don't have analysts, you don't have replays going, you, you know, you're just kind of trying to piece it together there in the stadium. What was it like inside Kinnick stadium Saturday evening uh, when, when this all went down? Well, there, there's that old sports show, wide world of sports, you know, and the, the intro has this the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And, 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 and you just kind of almost went like through two or three of those, it seemed like. I mean, we were playing a horrible game. We looked awful. But, you know, when he was getting ready to punt, I said, watch out. We got a little bit of magic left maybe. We're going to get good field position, right? And he makes the punt, and, uh, and, and Cooper watches it bounce and does his thing. And all of a sudden he picks it up. And I still don't know how he got through those first six guys. And then he almost does like a dance move, right? I mean, it was almost like a line dance move or something. It was crazy. And he's going, and the crowd is just, you know, just going crazy, right? And you're just like, you know what? This team's just got a, you know, they got something on their side that they just find a way to win. And that's what I've been telling everybody is that we don't have to have a great offense to win. Yeah, it'd be more fun and it'd be better and we could have a great team and everything if we had a better offense and our offense shouldn't be as bad as it is. But he takes it back and it made it so exciting. And some of these games, you know, so many of these games have been that way. Uh, Michigan State game, same thing. You're so tense, you're so upset, and then boom, it's like winning the lottery or something, right? And so anyway, you go from that, tense, almost angry state, you know, because of the way our offense is played. And all of a sudden, boom, he does this. He takes it back for a touchdown. There's no flags. Uh, looks great. You run out there, and they're going to kick the extra point. All of a sudden, wait a minute, the play's under review. You're like, well, he was close to the out-of-bounds over there. Ah, oh, darn it, he probably stepped out-of-bounds. So they do run that replay on the big screen. 
and you relive the whole thing again. Kinnick Stadium was as loud, as crazy, as nuts as I've ever seen it when he ran it back first time. Then we all kind of quiet down, and then all of a sudden, boom, we can see on the big screen. He didn't step out of bounds. No way. You know, it's a touchdown. And so, boom, you know, we, we all go crazy again. I mean, you're hugging people you don't know. You're high-fiving everybody in your section. Um, everything's going nuts. And then all of a sudden, the referee comes out there, and like you said, throws up. I mean, I've watched a million football games. I have never heard of an invalid uh, fair catch signal, and I, let alone reviewing it, reviewing a play for that. And, and I still can't really find it clearly in the, in the rule book, but there's just something screwy about the whole thing. The referee, like like I said, was he was five. 10, 15 feet behind Cooper the whole time, right there on the field, watched it live. The whole thing was just crazy. So, yeah, you, you got the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. The replay shows he didn't step out of bounds. The thrill of victory, and then some insane – there was just anger in the stadium, you know? It, 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 it was just anger then. And, 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 yeah, some people started throwing stuff, and you should never do that. But – but it, it was just it was just crazy, you know, the way that they, they took one of the greatest plays ever, you know, away from us. And, and I think you've heard all the other commentators, too. I mean, you know, a lot of people are going through and saying that, hey, it was terrible. It was a bad call. It was ridiculous. Aaron Rodgers, whatever. So huge swings in emotion. I, I don't know that I've ever felt that in, uh, in a football game that I've attended in my life. Yeah, it was, and as you just said, I mean, anger was was the overwhelming emotion, and I think a part of that is because it came at the end of a, a really tough afternoon of you know kind of aggravation, watching the offense being worried about you know watching this lead slip away, uh, watching the, the Iowa turn the ball over, and, and all of those things that we'll certainly get to. But then uh, you have, as you said, that euphoric uh, release of the the thrill of victory. You you found a way to do it again, and not just do it, but do it on yeah, a play that'll live forever, a play that we'll all remember. Uh, that we'd be telling our kids about, and yet, uh, and yet, it, it's it's taken away, and and that that was so aggravating. Anger was the the overwhelming emotion. You know, I had this thought. I mentioned this in the uh, the instant reaction podcast on on Saturday night that I did after the show, uh, where you could probably hear my anger in in my voice uh, here on the Hawkeye Nation podcast network, but. Um, it it re, it reminded me a little bit because even then and and it's been more since in the in the days since because people have parsed this out and as you said kind of found things in the rule book and whether or not it's reviewable and um, this whole invalid fair catch thing it feels a little bit to me like the hanging chads from the 2000 presidential election (laughs) only in that it's this verbiage that nobody ever knew nobody had heard of before and yet within like hours we're all experts in it we're all parsing it out we all you know it's like i've never heard of an invalid fair catch call and i know that that it's existed and and it's happened before in, in other places but um it's one of these things that, you know, all of a sudden on social media, you've got a bunch of Minnesota fans and Cyclone fans and, and other people say, well, you know, I mean, this is the rule of the law and this is the letter of the law. And, and by the way, if that is the letter of the law, the law needs to be changed. That, that's a bad rule. Exactly. Um, nobody, exactly. nobody on the field. I mean, I, there, there's an extent. I, I like instant replay for the most part. I think it's, it's important to get the plays right when there's an obvious uh, mistake 
I think it's important that that we can validate kind of what we're seeing uh, in in really big moments, and this was a really big moment. But it can go too far. Refs can do too much. If you're going back and looking for things that weren't called on the field, looking for things that nobody on the field even thought about, uh, I think that's too much. And I think that's exactly what you what you saw here. We've all watched football for a long time, and we know what we saw on Saturday night, and we know it was a legal play. Now, could you go through with a fine-tooth comb and find something? Yeah, you could probably do that on just about every play. And if they're going to start doing that, they're going to ruin the game. I mean, uh, uh, and and so – uh, the the initial replay, I understand why you need to replay to see if he went out of bounds because he was right there on the line. It's almost amazing that he didn't go out of bounds. It almost felt like he had to have gone out of bounds. And as soon as you saw that he didn't, I don't know how you go back and start looking for other things. I know that Chad Leistico, the Moines Register, spoke with the, the Big Ten head of officials. Uh, I think even the fact that they had to have a 30-minute conversation about this shows you that it's something that shouldn't have been called. Uh, if you have to take 30 minutes to explain a call, that's that's too much. Um, but the, I mean, even they said something like, "Well, you can't see it from the the field level, but when you look at the overhead <laughs> angle, yeah, I mean, it's and like what are, what are we doing here? What are we doing? We know what we saw. We saw an amazing play, and it got taken away from us. And I think maybe the the hardest thing about this, Joe, uh, isn't that it drops Iowa to six and two, or in, you know, back into second place in the West. It's not that you know we all were angry on on Saturday night. It was watching Cooper DeGene after that, and and his reaction to it, him having to go out there and talk to the media immediately after the game about this and and seeing a a true legacy moment and it's not his only one and it probably won't be his last one uh, he's one of the greatest players in college football one and a, and a great uh, all-time hawkeye but to see a legacy moment like that taken away from him on a technicality that we could argue about whether or not it's even technically the right call uh, i just it, it's 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 just it's a damn shame is what it is joe well, well, it is, and it, and, it, and it takes away from the enjoyment of the game. And it, isn't that what it's really about, is, is the fans being there and enjoying the game. And, and you just took away, one, like you said, one of the greatest plays ever. So we can sit here and complain about it all day, but it really brings into question the integrity of the game. Um, when something bizarre like that is called, and it's just it's very peculiar, it's very odd. And uh, it, I, I thought it was so funny. I mean, I have absolutely no respect for PJ Fleck. I mean, he—if you watch the replay, you know—he walks. Oh, I—I I, I thought after, afterward, he says in the uh, in the uh, press conference, he says, "Well, I, I thought it was an invalid fair catch when I was standing there on the sideline." He did not in no. any way. He—he he, he walked over. I mean, if you really thought that, you'd be jumping on the refs, yeah. you'd be screaming, you'd be asking for a review of that. So yeah, he just. The guy is—he's just that—he's just that smart alley kid that sat in the back of the class that thought he knew it all, and and I, I can't stand the guy. So I hate losing to him. I hate losing the game we did, the way we lost. Uh, I feel bad for this team. I mean, yeah. obviously our offense has, has, has just had some really bad breaks. They weren't very good to begin with, okay. But you know, losing our first string quarterback—I mean, how many teams win with their second string quarterback? Losing our big tight end, our best offensive player. And then, and then lose probably our second best offensive player in uh, in all as well. And, and you just you know, from my perspective, it's like I feel sorry for the kids and the team. It's like, God, aren't we aren't we fighting an uphill battle, a big enough uphill battle as it is? And now you're going to find some insane, crazy, obscure call and and, and take another win away from us. Or we're seven and one, like you said. I'm, yeah. I still don't think we're going to win all the rest of our games. But 
I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Enough, like, it, it drives it just drives me crazy. It but, does, it does. And, and like you said, are. I mean, the the smug look on PJ Fleck's face going over to get that <sighs> trophy after that that was that was hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. But uh, hey, it'll make it that much sweeter when we go up there and, and beat them next year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they hey hey hey, you know, they deserve to win. Yeah, I mean, they did deserve to win that game. Okay, they outplayed us. Yep. Um, certainly on offense and 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 on defense to a certain degree, but. You know, special teams a big component of the game. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, whoever's got the most points on the scoreboard, however you get them, is the winner. This is it felt bad. It was a tough game, tough, tough, tough loss, no doubt about it. Really was. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on one hundred six point three KXNO. This is the Hawkeye Nation podcast network. Uh, yeah, moving on to to kind of what this means now, Joe, and and we mentioned it. Uh, instead of seven and one, you're now six and two. Instead of four and one in the Big Ten, you're now three and two. Uh, you're now behind Wisconsin, one game in the uh, the Big Ten West Division standings, and uh, and uh, half a game up on Minnesota. Although now Minnesota has. That tiebreaker, you still do have the tiebreaker over Wisconsin. They had a comeback win over Illinois. It uh, doesn't feel like they're going to run the table. I mean, they have Ohio State, but even beyond that, doesn't feel like they're going to run the table. And so ultimately, this may not be uh, that painful for Iowa as, as you look at the season as a whole. Now, as you said, I agree with you. I have a hard time seeing Iowa going 4-0 and in their final four games, and, and mostly because, Joe, you're just playing with such a small margin of error at this point. Uh, when, when you have an offense... That has so much trouble moving the ball. I mean, moving the ball at all, but let let, let alone moving it into scoring position. Uh, you don't need to move it that far to get Drew Stevens into range. Uh, but but Iowa has struggled to do that. And and when you're playing games that are this close, uh, you put yourself in a position to allow the referees to make a bad call and take it away, or to to have an interception or a fumble in in the in the other team's red zone where they're able to kick a field goal that that ends up being the game winner. You're just you're playing with such a small margin of error the way that Iowa is playing these games that it's hard to imagine that a team like yeah you know, I don't know that Northwestern will do it at Wrigley Field next Saturday or anything like that but you know at Nebraska is tough Rutgers looks pretty good Illinois has some fight in them uh, it just it feels like you're going to get tripped up at least one more time here and so losing this one I think ultimately could be could be painful if you're not if you don't find a way to to go four and zero. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like you said, our, our offense is, is, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's not good. Okay. It's just not, and we're going to have to try and make some changes. We got the bye week This is time now to attempt to make some changes with it. Um, I feel really bad for Deacon Hill. You know, I, I don't think our offense to date, and this is why I was arguing a lot about Kirk and even Brian to a certain degree. I don't feel like our offense lost a game for us until this game. Right. And, and, and the only reason they really lost the game for us is because of the turnovers. You know, Deacon wasn't completing a lot of passes. He wasn't doing anything offensively, really anything big for the most part, but he hadn't turned the ball over. He hadn't thrown a pick six. He hadn't fumbled, you know, uh, in his own, any on our side of the field, um, things like that. And this game he did. And, um, you know, it, it, that's what ultimately cost us the game, right? I mean, they, they kicked the field goal down there, and then our defense, you know, bellied up. They did a great job um, holding them to, to four field goals. And, frankly, the, the last one was just a gift. I mean, you know, he fumbled, and uh, all they had to do is, you know, kick a kick a 30-yard field goal or whatever it was. So um, I feel like this is the first game where our offense lost the game for us. 
and really that was on turnovers. They're certainly not capable of winning a game for us, but if they can just not lose the game for us, you know, we can, we can still win a lot of games. We can still have a nine, 10 win, 11 win season. If you, if you look at a bowl game, but um, now, you know, we got two weeks to prepare for Northwestern and somehow or another, Brian and, and the staff have got to, you know, get some kind of uh, some new offensive plays, take a hard look at uh, how teams are playing this, why we don't ever, you know, I, I watched the Vikings game and uh, the 49ers game, like you said, Monday night. When the blitz comes, what do they do? They swing the ball out mm-hmm. to, uh, to a running back. Um, there are plays to beat blitzes. And uh, we didn't see to run any of those uh, on Saturday. Um, we, we, we totally lack creativity. Uh, there is no reason. I don't care what Kirk says. I'm going to totally disagree with him on this. There is no reason you cannot put Cooper DeGene on offense. And he doesn't have to do anything, Andrew. Just be a decoy. Yeah. Let him go out there and run down the field 10 yards. It's going to freak the other team out. Put him in motion. Have him run across the formation. He's got to be in there for something. There's got to be some reason he's in there. And better than that, put him at slot receiver for four or five plays and and, and see what happens. Or put him in the backfield. Swing him out. Maybe a linebacker or a safety <laughs> in college football, in my opinion, that, that would want to be out there one-on-one with Cooper DeGene when he's got the ball in his hands, okay? I mean, you know, he went through 11 players pretty much on his own on that punt return. So, I don't know. You know, we just, we got to try a couple of things. And, and now you've got time to do it, yeah. okay? Um, before, it's hard to change your offense. You know, McNamara gets hurt, um, and all of a sudden, you got a kid, Deacon Hill. I feel bad for him. I mean, you know, I think he's handling this all really, really well. How could he be ready for this moment? Uh, he played three games his senior year before the state of California shut down, you know, football for COVID. He didn't play at all his freshman year at Wisconsin. He played like a game or two through one pass his second year at Wisconsin. And then all of a sudden, here he is at Iowa in the spring, right? And all of a sudden, you fast forward to the Michigan State game. It's the first quarter. Oh, run in there and don't make any mistakes and leave us to victory. <laughs> you know, with 70,000 people in the stands at a night game. Okay? Uh, you know, they, I don't know. It's it, it's a really, really tough situation for him to be in, for Brian to be in. Now, or I'll criticize Brian and Kirk, how the heck do we get to a point at a Power 5 school where that's our backup quarterback. Yeah. A kid with his limited experience, unknown abilities. You know, I know Joey Levis was, was hurt. Um, I still don't think he's healthy. It doesn't sound like he practices a lot. Um, but that's what we got. I mean, we had McNamara, who you know is coming off injury. So I, I said, we, you and I talked about it all season. Can we keep McNamara healthy? Mm-hmm. You know, doubtful. Doubtful you can keep him healthy for the whole season. And and then that's your backup situation is 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 the guy with this experience and you know I don't know tough deal tough yeah deal, and, tough. and I think I think that's you know you can you can find places in these games where Brian Ferentz is making good play calls and uh, and things like that I think I think you've hit the nail on the head here the the biggest question mark about Brian Ferentz and and then Kirk as well and and this entire staff is the the recruitment and development at the quarterback position it just doesn't seem to be there it's not on par uh with with schools with other power 5 schools um 
I mean, yeah, Deacon Hill, he, he's a guy who wasn't on the scout team at Wisconsin a year ago, and he's our backup quarterback. And again, he's, he's thrown in a tough situation. And let's not forget, he's three and one. You know, he's, he's won three Big Ten games. Uh, he hasn't gone out there yeah. and, and looked great, but he, other than Saturday, he really hasn't given the game away. Now, now he did in, in several ways on Saturday. You can't hold on to the ball the way he has down at your hip for as long as he did to, to get those fumbles. That last interception was, was really a killer. When even after that Cooper DeGene uh, punt return was called back, I really only needed 20, 25 yards to feel pretty good about a, a game-winning field goal there, uh, but they, they weren't able to do it. So Deacon Hill has his flaws, but you're right. How is that our best option? How is And, and even if Joey Labus uh, you know, ends up coming in, uh, we saw what he was in the bowl game, and he was serviceable in the bowl game. He didn't turn the ball over. He, he did okay, but he wasn't great. It, there, there wasn't a lot of hope placed on him. And, um, and so that, I think then it ca- probably calls into question the Marco Linez and some of these other guys, you know, in the, in the pipeline that we're, we're excited about. It's just the, the recruitment and development of quarterback has been an issue, you know, to some degree throughout the entire Kirk Ferentz era, but it's really reared its head in an ugly way, uh, these last couple of seasons. Well, exactly, and then I'll take another step back and, and say, look, our offense is predicated and has always been predicated under the Kirk Ferentz era, except maybe that one year with Drew Tate when we didn't have any running backs, um, on play action. Yes. We have to be able to run the ball. If we can run the ball, you don't have to have the greatest quarterback in the world, right? I mean, a good running attack makes your quarterback a lot better, Uh uh, you know, they have to play, they can't play their, they can't play certain coverages. They can't blitz as much if you got a good running game. So we don't have a good running game. I mean, and we haven't, you know, you and I've talked about this before. We really haven't for two or three years now. And that's where it starts. How can an Iowa offense be any good if we don't have a good running game? Um, when we have a good running game, we've got really good teams. I mean, you can go back and look at all of them, but when we can't run the ball, uh, we can't control the clock. We can't get first downs. We can't keep our defense off the field. You know, yada, yada, yada. You can go through them all. Um, you know, it, it's going to really be tough. And, and that's what we're seeing this year is it's really tough because, you know, we can't run the ball. Our offensive line is, once again, uh, they're okay. They played a really nice game against Wisconsin. And, and maybe that was a real emotional and physical game and, and, you know, it's hard to win every week, right? Minnesota yes. had a bye week. It's it's just maybe some of that came into play. But against Northwestern, we got to see our running game come back or, you know, we're, we're, we're in some trouble. <laughs> we, we, we can't put all the pressure on on our passing game. Nope. It's just, that's, 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 that's our weakness and, and, and not our strength. And, you cannot play your weakness. And in our two losses this year, we've had, uh, you know, three or four turnovers in each of those. That Those are, those yeah. are the, the keys to victory for Iowa. Always have been. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, not Iowa had a lot of penalties on Saturday. Uncharacteristically, that hurt a lot. Um, you're exactly right, and I mean for the defense. So we should we should certainly talk about the good things that that we saw on Saturday as well, because this defense played very well. I mean, you give up four uh, four field goals to a team like Minnesota. You, uh, they, they had a lot of pressure throughout times in that game. Uh, the special teams looked really good. Tory Taylor had another great day. Uh, Drew Stevens looked really good. Uh, I feel like if you had just gotten him into position, he probably wins that game for you. And so it wasn't all bad. And again, uh, you know, there's, there's so many people 
And and we knew this was going to happen, Joe, as soon as Iowa lost, uh, because we felt this way after the Penn State game, and then you get a few wins in a row, you start to, you know, that, that goes further in the rear view, you start to kind of talk yourself into this, and, and you're having fun with it, you beat Wisconsin, that's a heck of a win, um, but then as soon as... As soon as you lose again, it's all all of this talk is going to come back. And for for anybody who just wants to throw the baby out with the bathwater, I, I just got to remind you we're we're six and two. Uh, it's it's not we haven't hit we haven't bottomed out as a program. You know, I've seen people say, "Hey, put Marco Linas out there because it doesn't matter. We just play for the future." Well, that that's not where Iowa is. We're not two and six. We're six and two. Uh, we still have things to play for this season. Uh, there is still a team out there trying their hardest and and with a a probably good chance still to uh, to potentially get to a Big Ten championship game. And so I think that's one of the disconnects we have as a fan base uh, with the kind of larger conversations that we're having and I know we'll have uh, even more of next week with Willie Farrell where uh, it's easy to call for a coaching change it's easy to call for uh, all of these things and again throwing the baby out with the bathwater when your team is terrible this team is not terrible Iowa hasn't had a bad season in over a decade I mean they're they're bowl eligible for the 22nd time in 23 years Uh, it's it's there, there are tweaks. There are things that need to change. There's no question. We're not happy with the offense any more than anybody else is. But we need to, as you said, take a step back and, and have a little perspective on on this whole thing. Absolutely. I mean, people are starting to talk. Uh, I, I reminded several of my friends. Uh, remember when you said that about Tom Davis? Yeah. And you, and you said that you said that going to the NCAA tournament every year and finishing in the top four or five of, of the big 10 every year and playing an exciting, you know, fun brand of basketball. That wasn't good enough. Well, look where that left us. Right. I mean, we went down from there. It is a tough place to coach at Iowa. It is a tough place to recruit particularly elite offensive players. Okay. There's just not a lot of them running around in the state of Iowa. And, you know, we, we, we got the junior college up there in Ames and every once in a while they snag a few, you know, good players from us. And uh, you and I get to play too. But, but the reality of it is, it's tough to win in Iowa. And we are winning. And yes, I know my son Jared tells me, oh, but we're beating bad teams. Well, I would argue that over the last 10 years, really, you know, let's go 10, okay? We have been the fourth best, third or fourth best team in the Big Ten. And if you look at our record, I think that would be there, right? I think you would have to say, uh, I'll probably fourth or fifth. You would have to say uh, Ohio State's obviously top. Yep. Michigan had some ups and downs, but they're there. Penn State's had a lot of ups and downs, but they're there. Really the only one, and someday we're going to talk about, well, we'll talk next week about budgets and how much we spend on football versus how much some of these other teams spend on football. But for teams that have equal budgets, it would be us and Wisconsin. Wisconsin's done better than, than we have. Okay? They've, they've, had, they've had really good teams. And uh, so I'll give you that. But, you know. Over the course of time, yeah, we've, the last 10 years, we've had good teams. Kirk, Kirk doesn't listen to this stuff. He could care less with some armchair quarterback who hasn't played football in 15 years. <laughs> uh, so he, he likes them, you know, respects them, whatever, but not for football. I mean, that would be like me coming to Kirk and saying, hey, man, i got to play. I think it's unstoppable. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll do all due respect, Joe. Uh, you're in the appliance repair business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like Hall of Fame coach doesn't know what he's talking about, but Joe Schmelka does. Yeah, about football. Okay. Yeah, let's go with that, right? Let's go with that. 
He is Joe Schmoka. I'm Andrew Downs. Uh, this is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the, the bye week, uh, some news that we've learned this week, and, uh, and we'll wrap up this show. Uh, it's been a fun edition of the HawkeyeNation.com uh, radio show. If you missed any of it, check it out, the HawkeyeNation.com podcast page or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Hawkeye Nation. We will be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Back in black here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. Andrew Downs and Joe Schmuckle with you once again. If you missed any of the show, we had a uh, a spirited first segment, a long first segment. Joe and I talked about the the Cooper DeGene play, the loss to Minnesota, and uh, and a little bit of everything here. Uh, check it out at HawkeyeNation.com on the podcast page or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Joe, we uh, we we're now six and two going into the bye week. You know, a week ago. I thought this was a perfect time for a buy. Actually, I thought maybe it was a week late because uh, I was banged up even outside of of the season ending injuries. It just kind of felt like, and, and we talked about this a week ago. You know, the, this first slate of games, we needed to get this done in the rearview mirror, uh, get some rest, get some health, and uh, and and regroup for these final four games. I do now wonder, having lost that game the way that they did. Um, is this a good or bad time for the buy? You know, I could see it on, on both sides. One, you have to sit with this for two weeks, and that, that's a tough thing. On the other hand, you don't have to move past it quite as quickly. You can, you know, maybe extend that 24 hour rule that Kirk and staff has to 48 hours or 72 hours and, and let yourself really process it and get over it and then turn your attention to, uh, to, to, to Northwestern and, and the rest of the schedule. And then also, as you mentioned in the first segment, now you have a chance to, to go in and, and tinker with this offense and whether that means a quarterback change, whether that means some sort of a scheme change or whatever that is, maybe uh, fingers crossed moving Cooper DeGene over to the offensive side of the ball for a play or two, whatever that is, uh, you have a little bit more time to do that. So I guess in general, do you think this is a, a good time for Iowa to have a buy? Well, I, I mean, I'd rather have a week to get ready for Minnesota like Minnesota had a week to get ready for us. Yeah. I think coming off the Wisconsin game, like we talked about quickly, that was a very physical uh, on the it was on the road. It was extremely physical. It was a tough game. It was a tight game. Um, we made the plays. It was an emotional win. I mean, you saw Kirk after that game hugging all the coaches and everything. I mean, that was a big game, right? And and then to come home, uh, and I think they take a bus over to Wisconsin, so the trip home is uh, is a bit lengthy. And uh, you know, they get home. They get home late Saturday night. It's hard to turn it back around and get ready for a, a game, I guess. And you can't be up 100% for every game. You can't play perfect every game. There can be some games where, you know, everything goes pretty well. Obviously, this game, our offense was bad, okay, really bad. And, um, you know, you alluded to it. There were some penalties, although I didn't see the uh, targeting call on the uh, kickoff return. I think it was, was reverse today or wrong. It was the yeah. wrong call. Like, okay, that really helps us a lot. Um, but, but we did, we did some things that were uncharacteristic for us. Um, we, we're not going to win a game when, when, when we have three turnovers, we're just, 
we're just not capable of doing that at this at this time, and, and probably most years we're not capable of doing that. So, I think the buy, you know, comes at a good time. Um, it's kind of right in the middle of the season. Um, I know how Kirk does this. He they divide the coaches divide the season up, and they say, okay, we got season A, and uh, we just uh, we just uh, you know got done with the first part of our our first season, if you will. Now we go back. I'm sure the kids get a couple of days off. They get to recover, get healthy, uh, recover emotionally, and uh, and then you know we get ready to play. But yeah, I, I'm hoping Brian's got some tweaks. Uh, you know, he, he, you got to make some changes on offense, uh, play calling. Uh, I come up with some way because everybody's going to use this Minnesota game as a blueprint on on how to stop how to stop our offense even even more <laughs> and, it's, and it's been stopped in the past right yes absolutely yeah so you hope again I don't expect a quarterback change no. mostly because of the way Kirk Ferentz talked no. about it in the post game um, they, they clearly don't think that Joey Labus is ready and whether that's because of health or scheme or whatever that is um, and then Kirk likes to point out hey man the, the last couple of times that everybody has, has clamored for a quarterback change uh, when we've had to make that change you've, you've clamored for us to go back to what we had uh, they know what they're doing in practice Joe you and I don't know more about football than Kirk Ferentz does uh, there's a reason he gets paid what he gets paid and has the success he has so uh, there's an extent to which you have to kind of ride out with uh, with what he sees but you do hope there's some sort of schematic change, uh, some sort of tweak they're able to do uh, in, in in this bye week. I agree. I think I think I'd rather have the had the bye a week ago, but uh, if you got to have it sometime now, is a good as good of a time as any to kind of regroup for these final four games because this is yeah. a, a really really important push. Um, we did get some news, I guess, yesterday, uh, Wednesday. Uh, we kind of knew this. The uh, Brad Heinrichs from the Swarm Collective had, had said this. I think Kirk Ferentz had said this is what they expect to happen. But uh, we saw Cade McNamara come out and announce that, that he does plan to be back for 2024. Uh, I don't know what other options he would have had. You know, he's already transferred once as a fifth-year senior, all those things. Yeah. But uh, he, it, it appears that he did have surgery on that ACL, and he's uh, he's he's – ready to come back and, and prove to, to the black and gold faithful uh, what, what he can do. And, and I, I, hope that's, I hope that's what happens. I, I, would really, I, I think it's a shame that we haven't been able to see a fully healthy Caden McNamara uh, in, in, in this offense, in a Hawkeye uniform. Uh, it'd be great to see him come back with a healthy Luke Lachey. Um, you know, who knows who the offensive coordinator will be a year from now. But uh, I thought this was good news and, and kind of nice to see, especially because when I first saw this on, on social media last night, my initial thought was, uh-oh, he's announcing something like I'm not coming back for one reason or another. But that, that wasn't the case. Uh, he, seems, uh, he seems like he's all bought in to, to being a Hawkeye. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, we got to elevate our quarterback play. That's number one, okay? Um, you, you can't win winning football completing 35%. You can barely play winning football, you know, completing 50 55% like we've had the last two or three years um, anyway. But but you got to elevate the QB game, and, and right now there's, there isn't really a backup option. I know everybody was, always wants to throw the backup quarterback in. Oh, you got to lose. Well, you know, everything I'm hearing is, is Lavis hasn't been healthy. He's not practiced very much. And when he does practice, he doesn't look very good. Okay. So they know what's going on in practice. And right now, Deacon Hill's the best we got. How we got to that point, you know, we talked about that in the prior segment. I don't know. I don't know. That's one of the big questions I don't understand is, man, that's all you got is a kid who's thrown one pass in college. I mean, this is transfer portal time, right? I mean, 
yeah, we got McNamara. I didn't expect to get somebody great, but got to have somebody back there. Anyway, um, it, it's great to have McNamara come back uh, next year. Like I said, I don't think he had a lot of options. I mean, what else are you going to do? But um, let's get him rehab. Let's get him healthy. And let's hope that he can come back and, uh, and play some good games for us and, and elevate our quarterback play. We also got some news that uh, that that was less exciting. Um, there were reports that we were going to get a vote on this NCAA changing of the uh, yeah. of the gambling restrictions, or, or the, I guess the penalties around the gambling restrictions, and uh, and and they've punted on that. They will not vote for another two weeks. I think uh, most people expected this vote to come through this week, even yesterday, and uh, and to really immediately. Uh, it reinstate Noah Shannon on the defensive line. That's not going to be the case, man. The NCAA needs to needs to figure their stuff out here, man. They, they're very dysfunctional right now. I can't believe they're doing this. It's it's a uh, it's it's too bad for him. It's too bad for the Iowa State player in the same situation. Uh, but it doesn't appear we're going to see Noah Shannon on Wrigley Field uh, at Wrigley Field uh, on on November fourth. Hopefully they'll vote that following week. Hopefully he's uh, he's practicing and getting ready right now, and and we'll see him before the end of the season. But I was disappointed to see this uh, last night, Joe. This was uh, again maybe not surprising anymore from the NCAA to do something like this, but I was disappointed. Yeah, I mean uh, I'm most disappointed in Noah Shannon deciding to gamble on an Iowa sporting. Yes, game. okay, that's where the that's where the problem started. All right, you shouldn't do that. He knows it. He's apologized for it and he's owned it. That's that's all great. But um yeah, now it's like, hey, let's get let's get this thing done. Let's move on for crying out loud. This has been hanging over and it's just us in Iowa State. It, you know, if it was a nationwide thing and there are implications all over the place, but my goodness, it's it's eight or ten players, it's the same all of them are into it about the same kind of a thing. Let's let's get it decided. What are we gonna do? And let's move on. Okay. I mean it's it's not like he went out and shot somebody or 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 even you know tried to fix a game or something. I mean that would be horrible. But you know, he, he bet on probably bet on the Iowa women's basketball team in the championship game. You know, and you're going to hold him back for that. Uh, maybe there's more to it, but very disappointing. NCAA is they've been a mess for the last five years, maybe ten. So I guess it's not surprising, um, but. You know, we go forward. Yes, we do, and and we will go forward from here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. Again, if you've missed any of the show, uh, check us out at HawkeyeNation.com. It's the best place to get all your Hawkeye news. Uh, it's a lot of fun to hang out there, and we appreciate you doing that. And uh, and uh, we'll be doing podcasts as we we move through as well. Uh, we got the the weekend off. Uh, you're going to be down in Arizona. I'll probably be uh, hitting a pumpkin patch and a, a really cold soccer game, Joe. <laughs> well. That's good. That's good. And, and I'm hoping the forecast changes by next Tuesday when I come, when I come back to Iowa from our place down here. But I, I doubt that'll happen. Well, no, it'll be a great time next week with Willie, too. The three of yes. us are going to have a lot of fun. We'll all be in the studio. It'll be great. It'll yeah, be a lot of Des Moines comedian Willie Farrell will be joining us. Big Hawkeye fan. Probably has a bit of a different view on some of these things than uh, than Joe and I do. So that, that'll be a lot of fun and uh, a lot of laughs. And then hopefully a lot of Hawkeye fans uh, listening to us right now are, are making their plans to head over to Chicago uh, in a week and, and see this Hawkeye team play Northwestern on at, at Wrigley Field. I know the game is on Peacock and that kind of sucks, but... 
Uh, this is it's, it's a cool thing, man. This is a cool opportunity. Yeah. I saw Iowa play at Soldier Field a couple of times against Northern Illinois. Uh, I would love to be at Wrigley Field and see this. I know it's kind of gimmicky, uh, but but I mean, what a cool place! What a cool thing! This, this is going to be a, a fun game against Northwestern, uh, even if the products on the on the field aren't quite what we want them to be. Uh, the the images would be really fun coming out of Chicago. Like uh, I, I describe it as it's kind of like an in-season bowl game, right? Yeah. And it's great for the fans. You get to go over there. You get to experience Wrigley, uh, see a great see of uh, see your team play football. Experience a great city. And yeah, it's probably not going to be the most exciting. It might end up being a baseball score. Who knows? <laughs> I could do. And uh, wouldn't that be appropriate on a baseball yes, field? Like the national media is something that really yap at us about. But no, it, it'll be great. It'll be a lot of fun. There's tons of Hawkeye fans in Chicago. And that whole area, so it's uh, it'll, it'll be a fun game. I'm anxious. What I'm anxious to see is how the stadium looks. Is yeah. it going to be you know fifty, sixty, eighty percent Hawkeye fans, or will Northwestern you know kind of hold their own? I heard they're playing some gimmicks with the tickets, trying to uh, trying to make sure that uh, their fans had an opportunity to buy tickets. Uh, uh, rather than letting uh, the Hawkeye fans get them all. So yeah, it'd be nice. Be, if we, it'd, be, it'd be fun. It'd be nice if we had like a pseudo home game there at Wrigley before coming home for Rutgers, Illinois, and then Black Friday at Nebraska to, to wrap up the regular season. And uh, and because we're six and two, we know there's a bowl game in the future. It's just a matter of whether or not uh, there's a game in Indianapolis in the future. We got plenty of time to, to cover all that as we move forward. We appreciate you checking out HawkeyeNation.com and listening to us here on the show. For Joe Schmelka, I'm Andrew Downs. Thank you so much for listening, and go Hawks!